Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Talking about the church, uh, a couple of things the church is not. It's not a place, of, it's not a place designed for amusement. That's why they created Chuck E. Cheese. The church is not a social club, although we do have a lot of social interaction, and that's good and healthy for Christians, but the church is not designed to be either of those two things. It's designed to be the pillar and the ground of truth. It's where people come to get truth. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 22, the Bible says, "...and hath put all things under his feet." And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. Whose body is it? Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. Ephesians 5, 22, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the wife is the head for the hold on, hold on. That's a modern version I got. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Somebody said that, yeah, the husband's the head, but the wife's the neck. (laughs) As Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and with out blemish. What makes the church like a husband and wife relationship? We see this. Uh, we see this description in the Bible. Well, one parallel that God is trying to get us to see is that a man and a woman—they're not made husband and wife by birth. We're born. We have a physical birth. And we don't become one flesh until we are joined together and married. We become one, right? Husband and wife, but not by birth. The same way to be a part of Christ's church. Your physical birth doesn't get you in. You don't come into union with Christ by being born. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. There's a spiritual birth that takes place and now you come into union with Christ. The other thing with the husband and wife relationship, making it like the church, is that a man desires to have a woman as his wife. And he may desire that, but she might be running the other way as fast as she can run. She's not interested. <laughs> How many young fellows have said, oh yeah, 
yeah, this is this is it, guys. I mean, this is God's will for me. I mean, she's that's the one right there. And he comes to find out that she wasn't as interested in him as he was in her, and it didn't work out. <laughs> well, the next one that comes along, well, now he'd be out of God's will because, you know, he said that that one was God's will. So it's, you can't have someone running the other way in order to come into a relationship with them. God desires us to be born again. And he wants us to be part of his family. Before we were saved, we were running the other direction as fast as we could. And lost people, we bring the good news of the gospel. God wants them to be saved, but what are they doing? They're running as fast as they can in the other direction. They're not interested in the things of God. So when a husband and wife come together, the, the, that man, he desires that woman and that woman willingly, that's a key word, willingly wants to submit herself to him. Well, what kind of woman would want to do that? Someone that, a woman that is in love with a particular man. <laughs> Well, what kind of a person would want to submit himself to Christ? Someone that is regenerated and receives the gift that God offers to them. He, will, he wants them, he wills them, he desires for them to be with him. Whosoever will. So, there's both sides. There's God desiring God wanting, God willing, and then man wanting to submit himself or herself. We see this pictured in the husband and wife relationship. What else makes the body and the bride significant? Well, both are living. Husband and wife, they're alive. Guess what we have with Jesus Christ, our Savior? A real, live, living relationship with a Savior who is it's a living, living relationship. And also, what else makes the body and bride significant is fellows have tried this. I'm, I'm guilty of, of the same in some way, shape, or form. You can't make a marriage into a collection of rules. <laughs> Some have tried, but that's not a real marriage. It's not a collection of, this is what you need to do because I said to do it, and these are the rules, and you follow the rules. Well, that's not going to get you too far. It's not really going to get you too far in any relationship. And in like manner, the church is much the same way. Do you know that two people who are married can live in the same building, the same house, and be miles and miles apart. Because a house doesn't make a marriage. The house isn't the marriage. In like manner, the building isn't the church. 
we meet in a building, right? If this building sells tomorrow and we leave, we don't leave the church. We just leave a building. <laughs> the building doesn't make the church. The house doesn't make the marriage. It can't be a collection of rules and laws and commands. You know what God has though? He does have rules. He does have laws. And he does have commands. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to make you do anything. He desires for you to want to live for him and try to follow his outline, his map in the Bible. What do husbands and wives, wives should do? Strive to follow that principle. All right, what is the church's relationship to God? Number one, uh, well, let's go over to Matthew 16. He is its owner and builder. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13 we'll start at. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. He's the owner. He's the builder. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse number 28, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church's relationship to God. He's the owner and the builder. Number two, he purchased it with his blood. Number three, let's get over to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How are we made part of his body? 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. Four. As the body is one and hath many members. We can all relate to that, right? How many body parts do we have? Two arms, two legs. We get it. But it's one body. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Baptist preacher, are we all baptized into one body of water? That's not what verse 13 says, does it? For by one spirit 
are we all baptized into one body? This is a spiritual baptism by one spirit. We are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and having been all made to drink into one spirit. Living water. Spiritual water. One spirit. It's a spiritual drink. It's a spiritual baptism that puts us into a relationship to God. And it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Should you get water baptized? You should. That doesn't put you into Christ. That puts you and I into water. It's a physical thing. And all throughout time, well-meaning Christians have gotten this physical, spiritual thing mixed up. We are a spiritual people. We have spiritual blessings. We're made part of His church by a spiritual baptism. Who adds to the church? Let's see. Verse 18. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12. Who adds? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. Who set the members? God. Every one of them in the body. Who makes the additions? God does. You can get you can get into a physical body of water and be immersed and baptized scripturally. That's the scriptural uh, mode of baptism by immersion. But that scriptural mode of baptism doesn't put you into the body of Christ. It's a Christian obeying what God has asked them to do. I can put you in a physical body of water. You can put me in a physical body of water. I can give you a physical certificate. Baptismal certificate. You can give me a physical baptismal certificate. You can be granted physical voting rights. But none of that makes you a member of Christ's church. Being baptized by one spirit puts you in that one body. And you are in Christ. You're in Christ. You can't get out. It's not our topic this evening, but we need to understand the topic is who adds to the church. God does. He's the owner. Verse 25, or verse 24, look at verse 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. Who does the tempering to the body? God, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Verse number 27, look, look at this. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Alright, God is the owner. Acts, let's go over to Acts chapter 2 and Grab some verses here. Acts 2.41. Acts 
Acts 2.41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. A couple of things real quick. What did they do before they were baptized? They gladly received his word. What followed? What are baptisms? Uh, all throughout the New Testament, you'll find out those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know what they did? They got baptized. <laughs> but what did they do first? They gladly received his word. And the second thing I want you to see, the same day there were added unto, it says them. Who's the them? It's the local congregation of believers that are assembling together there. Added unto them. Now, do you think 3,000 people stay together in one spot under one tent or whatever? I don't, highly unlikely. You got a pocket of believers over here, a pocket of believers over here, a pocket of believers over here. What are they all members of? Christ's body. Are they all together every Sunday? Likely not. They don't all have to go to the same building to be part of the same body of Christ. Acts 2, let's go to verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Who adds to the church? The Lord. If the Lord's not in it, it doesn't matter what you say to somebody. It doesn't matter what piece of paper you give them. It doesn't matter if you feed them coffee and donuts and have a little powwow meeting about. It doesn't matter. If the Lord isn't in it, it doesn't matter. The Lord has to be in it. That person has to be born again. And then we know, they should know that they know that they know that they're part of the body of Christ. All right, now we start teaching them about water baptism, all the doctrines of the Bible. But we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Acts chapter 16, verse number 30. All right, and let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, verse, uh, let's start verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straight away. They, were, they believed. They were made part of Christ were baptized after they believed on the Lord. God adds to the church. Additions are made by God through the risen Christ Jesus our Lord. Now when did the church begin? There's two false views of when the church began. And then there's two reasonable views reasonably biblical views as well. We're going to look at both tonight. 
The first false view is that the church started with John the Baptist. But there's a simple answer to that. Let's go to Acts 19. Some people hold to this truth that you need to be able to trace your baptism through a Baptist preacher, back through a line of Baptist preachers, and you should be able to trace it all the way back to John the Baptist. And if you weren't put in water by a Baptist preacher and you can't trace your line down through to John the Baptist, they would say you have an alien baptism. You're an alien. You're from outer space. Now, look at what it says in Acts chapter 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you know there were people that received John's baptism? Making a way for the coming Messiah. That were then baptized again after they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? John's baptism is not the same as a believer's baptism. We don't receive John's baptism. We are baptized by immersion. We see right here in Acts 19, wait a minute. They didn't even know about the Holy Ghost. They haven't even received the Holy Ghost. They believed on Christ. Those that received John's baptism were baptized again. The church didn't start with John the Baptist. Some would say the church started with Paul, the apostle. Those that take this view would be called Paul only. They might not call themselves that. But we only go by the Pauline epistles. The other term that they would go by, although they would not call themselves this, is hyper-dispensationalists. Hyper-dispensationalists. They believe we should only go by what Paul wrote. The church started with Paul. It might have been a mystery until it was revealed to him. There's many mysteries. Okay, just think of a mystery. The answer's there. You just don't have it. It was a mystery until it was revealed. Doesn't mean it was there doesn't mean uh, it wasn't there. So let's look at some verses here. First one we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 3. Let's see if the church started with Paul. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 7. The Bible says, Whereof I, this is Paul speaking in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God and the 
given unto me by the effectual working of his power. I want you to work. I want you to look at one little letter. A. I was made a minister. Are you do you, do you minister to people? You're a minister. I'm a minister. You know what I'm a minister of? The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm a minister. One among many. You know what Paul was? A minister. A minister. One among many. It doesn't say, there's no definite article there. He was a minister. One among many. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse number 7. This is Paul. Salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners whom are of note among the apostles, check this, who also were in Christ before me. <laughs> How could have the church started with Paul when Paul himself is saying on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there were people in Christ before I was in Christ. It didn't start with Paul. Now we'll look at the most obvious and strongest argument, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. The Bible says here, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meant to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. It was there before Paul. He persecuted it. Let's see it again in Galatians chapter 1 and let's get Philippians 3. Galatians 1 and Philippians 3. Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Here it is again, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. It was there. It didn't start with Paul. Philippians 3, verse 6. Same thing. Philippians 3, 6. Concerning zeal, persecuting the, ch the church. That's what he did. He persecuted the church of God. Now, let's get back to Acts. Show you one more thing. We'll wrap up that thought. And we'll go over to chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse number 4. Acts chapter 9, verse 4, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? This is Jesus speaking. Do you think that Paul had Jesus locked up in a room and was persecuting him and chained him up? Of course not. No reasonable Christian would think that or believe that. When Jesus says, thou persecutest me, it's his body. The church is his body. We read that in Ephesians. Who's he persecuting? The church. That's why the Lord says that to him. It's already in existence. 
And the Lord himself is saying unto Paul, why persecutest thou me? That's my body, body of Christ. Now, two reasonable views of when the church began. Let's get Acts 2 and John 20. Acts chapter 2 and John chapter 20. Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. Let's start at verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's where we're at, the day of Pentecost here, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. This is the key verse, four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the day of Pentecost. They were filled with what? The Holy Ghost. Perfectly reasonable view as to when the church began. Now go back to John. And we're going to be in chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus says, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Now verse 22, look at this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Both passages of Scripture show what? Believers being filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything is transpired that needed, needed to transpire in order for there to be a New Testament church to kick off. Except one thing. You know what the one thing was? What happened in John chapter 20, verse 22, and what happened in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Ghost. That was the one thing missing. So we have two reasonable views of when the church began. It either began in Acts chapter 2, or it began in John chapter 20, verse 22. Now, Let's get over to Acts chapter 11. And this verse seems to indicate that the church started in Acts chapter 2. Let's get Acts chapter 11 and we'll get by way of cross-reference. This Acts 11 uh, verse here is going to be our cross-reference to Acts 2. Verse number 13 we'll start with. Look at what it says. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And look at this, key verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, look at this, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John, be baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. As on us at the beginning. Well, when was the beginning? Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost fell on them. So that seems to indicate the church started in Acts chapter 2, but also, let's look at some other verses. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We have three major groups in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32 gives us that, those groups. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. If you weren't a Jew, and if you're not a Jew, you're a, a Gentile dog. You're a Gentile. Jew or Gentile, right? If you're in Christ, if you're in the church of God, guess what? You're neither Jew nor Gentile. You have three major groups in the Bible. The Jews, the Gentiles, and now the church of God. Now let's see when each of these groups get their life in the Bible. Let's see when the Gentile gets their life. Genesis chapter 2. And then get Ezekiel 37 in one hand. Genesis 2, verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. All God had to do was breathe. And a Gentile got life. Right there, that's the birth of the, of the Gentile. Ezekiel chapter 37, God's chosen people are going to finally get life. Even though they've been disobedient. It's all going to happen. Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, let's read 9 through 14. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. You know how he's going to do it? He's going to breathe. And I shall place you in your own land. They have a land grant, and they're going to get that land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. The house of Israel, the Jews, get life when God breathes on them. First Gentile gets life, God breathes on them. John chapter 20, verse number 22. Read it one more time. 
Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. We have two perfectly reasonable and scriptural views of when the church, which is the body of Christ, started. We either started in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost, or it started John chapter 20, verse 22. Those are biblically reasonable views. This view that the church started with John the Baptist and or the church started with Paul and we only follow Paul and we're Paul only are two unreasonable views of when the church started. I think this is probably a good place to stop though. All right, let's bow our heads and thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. Thank you for giving us life, baptizing us by your Holy Spirit into your body. Lord, help us to live holy life unto you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.